What a gripping human video. Thank you, uh, youth team, United Youth. You know, before you might think that that would be a little bit too much for Sunday morning, it's amazing that as we gathered last Sunday to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, that during that very same time, hundreds of our brothers and sisters in Christ gave their life as martyrs in Sri Lanka, while many more hundred were wounded. Persecution and even martyrdom around the world to men and women, our faith is a reality. In fact, it's more reality today than it has been in the history of Christianity. And so one of the things that we'd like to do today is we'd like to invite you to join us in prayer this coming Wednesday at 6 p.m. during our church-wide prayer time, 6 p.m. in the Life Center. We're going to gather together. We're going to pray for the families of those who lost a loved one in the bombings in Sri Lanka, but we're also going to pray for the persecuted world, church around the world. And if you wonder, what do we pray? Well, the Bible actually tells us what to pray. It tells us to pray for two things, boldness and that they would increase in their faith. Isn't that amazing? And so we're going to gather together this week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. in the Life Center to pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world. We're going to stand together with them in prayer. Those that tell you that prayers don't matter, that prayers don't work, we've learned that every time we pray, something happens because we serve a living God. And so we invite you to come join us. Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you today. For those of you I've never met before, my name is Juan, and together with my wife, Deidre, we get to be lead pastors here at Victory Christian Center, Coatesville. So excited to be with you here this morning. We want to welcome all of our friends and family watching online as well. Thank you for tuning in. Can we welcome our online community this morning? We had an incredible, uh, not only morning this morning, over 50 being baptized in both services, but on Resurrection Sunday, yeah, go ahead and give God thanks for that. Those are over 50 people taking their next steps with Jesus. The last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we saw over 200 men, women, boys, and girls say yes to Jesus and begin, many of them following Jesus. And so that is so awesome. It's so amazing. And, um, you know, we started a series last, last week, and we're doing part two today. And the title of that series is It's Not Over. It's not over. Can you say that out loud with me? It's not over. over. That's right. And we ended the message last week with with a scripture, and we're going to begin today's message with that same scripture. So I want you to go ahead and turn to two places in your Bibles. We're going to begin. We're going to begin with the last scripture that we read last week. That is Revelations chapter 3. And so go ahead and turn to two places in your Bible. Turn to Revelations chapter 3. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Revelations chapter 3. And then put a bookmark in, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've got a paper Bible like I do, just place your bookmark in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 or or place um, something to to keep your place there. We're going to read that towards the end of the message. But we're going to begin in Revelations chapter 3 in just a very short moment. Today, we're also partaking of communion together. And so we're going to do this toward the end of the message. 
And uh, if you're here and you weren't served one of these on the way in and you want to participate, our ushers will serve you uh, before we all partake together. You don't have to be a member here at Victory to partake of communion with us, just a follower of Jesus. And so we'll do this in just a moment towards the end of the message. And then after that, we'll give uh, an opportunity for any person here who needs prayer for any reason, an opportunity to receive prayer. We'll do that uh, at the end of the message together. But Revelations chapter 3, we're going to begin there in just a moment. We ended... Uh, last week with this verse that we're going to begin with today. And the big idea of last, last week's message was, was that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to God. And we ended with this verse, and let's go ahead and turn there right now. All of the scriptures are going to be on the screen behind me, so if you're taking notes, just jot down the reference, and you can read those throughout the week when you go home. But let's look at uh, Revelation chapter 3. Let's read verse 20. Verse 20, the Bible says, Behold, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's a scripture we ended with because many people, it's what happens when, when, when people are confronted with the truth of the gospel, the reality of Jesus. And one of the things that we learn is that a preacher can't save you, a church can't save you, religion can't save you, but Jesus can save you, and he's actively at work in the life of people, in the lives of people, and at that moment of salvation, what's happening is that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, the door of your life, and when you say yes, and you open up the door of your heart, the Bible says he comes in, and he's... He has a dinner with you. He has a meal with you. This is very important because let me give you the big idea of this message up front. It's this. God wants a relationship with you, not religious activity. That when you say yes to Jesus, it's not a moment where life is over. You don't get to do the stuff that you used to do anymore. Some people, they say yes to Jesus, and they think that, well, their life is over. There's more, no more to life anymore, that there's no more fun to be had anymore, that now you just become religious. It's the furthest thing from the truth. God is not interested in religious activity. When you say yes to Jesus, what you've entered into is a relationship with the living God. And you go from living a life where you were just existing to now truly living in Jesus. Amen? And so this verse is interesting because the first thing that Jesus says he wants to do when you begin this relationship is he wants to have a meal. I think it's very practical. Because the truth is, if we want to get to know each other a little bit better, if you were to catch us outside in the lobby and and say, hey, Juan and DJ, we'd like to get to know you a little bit better. I found that one of the best ways to do that is over a meal, is breaking bread, is sitting down and having a meal together. In fact, uh, a young boy or a young girl that wants to get to know each other better, that's what they do. Couples that want to get together, that's what they do. Because there's something about sitting down to a meal and breaking bread together. It's, it's the beginning of relationship. It's where you meet face to face and you get to learn about one another. And and that's what Jesus introduces us to when we say yes 
to him that when you get born again, it's not over. It's only the beginning of going from just existing to truly living, not a religion, but a relationship with God where he will sit down and have a meal with you for you to get to know him better and for you to get to know him for get to know you better and you to get to know him better. Amen? And so following Jesus is wonderful. And following Jesus, we often complicate it, but it's very simple. Everybody has a next step when it comes to following Jesus. And one of the things that you need to learn when it comes to following Jesus is that you don't change overnight, but you do change over time. That you don't see transformation overnight, but you do see transformation over time as you follow Jesus. People usually ask me, well, what do I need to do with all the stuff that I used to be in and, and the sin and the habits and, and all of the stuff? Well, listen, follow Jesus. When, when Jesus came into the world, it's interesting, he didn't introduce us to a stop it ministry. He didn't come and go to Matthew, the tax collector, and said, stop it. Or to the woman caught in adultery and said, stop it. He didn't say any of those things. You know what he said? He said, follow me. Because Jesus understood that the more you followed him, the less you'd follow sin. You cannot follow Jesus and sin at the same time. The more you follow him, the more you'll walk away from sin because you can't follow both. And so following Jesus is about all of us taking our next steps because we all have a next step. I have a next step. You have a next step. The person that said yes to Jesus last week they have a next step. The guy preaching from the platform today, did you know I have a next step with God? You know why? Because we're all on a journey with God. We're all growing in our relationship with God. And remember, he didn't call us to religious activity. He called us to relationship. And anything that's not growing is dying. And so the demand that is placed on us is for you not to compare your walk with mine but to just be better than you were yesterday. Be closer than you were yesterday, right? It's not a comparison thing. So I wanna share with you three things very quickly. For those of us who've recently said yes to Jesus, uh, this will help you understand what your next steps are. What are the things that we should be focusing on and doing as we follow Jesus? For those of us that we've been at this for some time, it's a great reminder for us to understand uh, what, what are the important things when it comes to the relationship with Jesus? So I, I want to give these to you very quickly. And number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, please write this down. Number one in your notes, it's this. Be baptized. Be baptized. The very next step that every follower of Jesus should take after they said yes to Jesus is to be baptized what you saw this morning during worship. Some of those folks that you saw today, they were people that said yes to Jesus last week. Now, I know that not everyone kind of, you know, uh, signed up for it, but if you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus, whether it was last week, whether it was a month ago, whether it was a year, a year ago, and you've not taken your next step in water baptism, that's your next step. That's your next step. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible talks about that when you and I get born again, you know what we experienced when we said yes to Jesus? 
we experienced a baptism. We experienced a baptism. When you and I were born again, we experienced what we call a spiritual baptism. When we're born again, it's whenever the Holy Spirit takes us and he baptizes us into Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says it like this. For by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, when we were all baptized into one body. That's the body of Christ. Now listen, this is the baptism of, not in, the Holy Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit, who's actively involved in our lives, He takes us at that born-again moment and He places us or baptizes us into Jesus. Why is that important? In the same way that people were baptized or immersed into water, Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. So now we can say when we're born again that we are in Christ. And that's very important. Baptism, the Greek word is baptizo, which basically means to be fully immersed into something. And that's what happens when you and I are born again. Why is that important? It's important because when we're born, when we experience a natural birth, when we come to life in this world, we are born not for God, but against God. We have a natural bent, a sin nature that has us against God, not for Him. We're naturally bent, not choosing God, but literally fighting against God. Why is that? It's because when you and I were born, we were born in the first man. We were born in Adam. We were born in Adam. So consequently, all of our history, all of our, our future was wrapped up, is wrapped up in the first man that was created, Adam. He fell. He sinned. And because of that, we now have that when we're born. We have a sin nature. Let me say it like this. I'm a Rivera. Why am I a Rivera? Because my father was before me. And his father was before him. So what I am and who I am is wrapped up in my parentage, in my lineage. Why? Because I come from them. In the same way, because we're from Adam, when we're born, we're born with things that he had. We're born and we take on his identity, his sin nature. But when you're born again, the Holy Spirit takes you out of the first Adam and places you into the second Adam. His name is Jesus. And so your whole identity, your whole destiny, your whole eternity, even your whole history is now bound up, not in the fallen, sinful Adam, but in the pure, spotless, saving Adam, the second Adam. His name is Jesus. That's why Holy Spirit takes us and baptizes us, places us, immerses us into Jesus. So when we're born again, we're baptized. But then the next step is to be water baptized. What's that about? It's basically a public confession, an outward, an outward profession, confession of the work that the Holy Spirit has started 
when you said yes to Jesus. Because when you get born again, when you say the prayer, it's not over. It's only the beginning. There's next steps for you to take, and baptism is the very next one. Go ahead and give God praise for just a moment. So at salvation, Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus, and then your next step is to have a disciple or another follower of Jesus baptize you in water. Does that save you? No. What saves you? Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit baptizes you or places you in, in the sun, immerses you into Jesus, that's when you're born again. Then what's water baptism? Why is that important? The same reason this ring is important on my finger. I could take this ring off. And the truth is, I'm just as married without it as I am with it on. But why is this ring important? This ring is important because when I have it on, it tells the outside world that I'm taken, that I don't belong to anyone else but one person, that I belong to somebody, that I'm in a covenant relationship with someone. That's what this ring does. It doesn't make me married, but it tells the world that I belong to somebody. I love somebody, and somebody loves me for life. Not just for momentary, momentary pleasure, but for life. My wife doesn't even have to be with me, and people know. Now, I know we live in a culture where this doesn't even matter much anymore. But I tell you what, it says something publicly, and that's what water baptism is. It doesn't make you married. It doesn't make you saved. But it's an outward sign telling the world, hey, I belong to somebody, not the world, not the devil. I belong to Jesus. He's mine and I'm his. I'm in a committed relationship for life. And so your next step, if, you're, if you've recently said yes to Jesus, put a ring on it. Put a ring on it. When I travel, when I go away, I've got my ring on. I mean, my, I, you know, I've been, it's going to be 22 years in June. My finger is growing around my ring. I don't know how I took it off. Well, we, you know, we were fasting for three weeks coming up to Easter. That's the only reason I was able to take it off. But my finger is growing around, and I love it. Never take it off. Doesn't make me married. But it tells the world that I'm in a relationship, and that's what water baptism is. If you're here today and you've not yet signed up for water baptism, that's your next step. You can get more information online. You can talk to folks in the Welcome Center. In fact, I think next month, uh, in, in just a few weeks, we've got water baptisms coming up, and we encourage you to do that. But, but here's, here's the good news. When you say yes to Jesus, it's not over. You know, talking to... To some Catholic friends, um, I, I've often heard this, and I love this conversation. I remember a Catholic friend once telling me, you know, um, they, they, they're, they're, they love Jesus. And when they heard about water baptism, one of the things they said was this. They said, well, I was baptized as a child, and I, I don't know if I want to go through with that because, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm undoing what my parents did when I was a kid. And I don't want to be disrespectful to my parents, you know, like, like this is better or I'm undoing it. And I said, that's the furthest thing from the truth. I said, man, do you realize that when, when you get baptized as an adult, what you're actually telling your parents is, hey, mom and dad, 
what you did to me when I was a kid and I had no control over my life, as an adult, I'm affirming your decision for me to have a relationship with God and make it a heaven. I mean, that's huge. So that guy was excited. He actually invited his, his parents, you know, who, uh, from the Catholic Church to come. It was a great celebration. He wasn't undoing what his parents did. He was affirming the fact that his parents wanted him to have a relationship with God. But now as an adult, when he had a say in it, he's saying yes. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore, make followers of Jesus, disciples of all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit because that's your next step. Here's number two. Number two is this, gather together. Gather together. These are all things that are important as we follow Jesus. Number two is gather, gather together. It's what we're doing right now. It's what we do every Sunday during our victory celebrations. We gather together in our large group. It's what we do on Wednesday nights, our victory nights. We gather together. It's what we do when you serve on a victory team, whether it's in the children area, whether it's as an usher, greeter, the parking lot, the sound media team. You gather together. When you come together, when you serve together, for some of you, it's a small group. You go to a prayer group. You go to a Bible study group. You gather together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says it like this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I love that. Because the next verse, and we'll read it in just a moment, talks about us not neglecting coming together, gathering together. Do you know why? Because we need each other. I need you, and you need me. And the need is mutual. We need each other. We need each other to motivate each other. Because how many know that following Jesus is hard. Following sin is easy. Following Jesus is hard. It's not easy because it's counterculture. It's going against the grain. And so you and I, we play key roles in each other's lives. We motivate each other. We strengthen each other. We gather together and we encourage one another. It's very important that you don't live a life isolated and thinking that you can do this on your own. The Bible says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible doesn't say he is a lion, but he goes around thinking he's a lion. There's really only one lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's on the move. But the devil likes to play, and he likes to act like a lion. He really isn't, but he goes around, and he takes on the strategy, the hunting skills of a lion, the predatory skills of a lion. How does a lion hunt? I learned when I was on safari one year. Missionary friend, we're out in Tanzania, and he says, hey, we're going we're to go to safari. I said, great. He says, yeah, we're going to spend the night. I said, okay. He said, intense. I said, I don't think I'm all right with that. I mean, I'm a man of faith, but I don't like to tempt God. And so that's all he said. We get to the, uh, we get to the, um, to the, to the, to the park, and and this wasn't camping, folks. This was glamping. The tent was about the size of this stage. It was up about 20 feet off the air, had wooden floor, had a bathroom, had two double beds, had a shower. It was amazing. I'm like, I could do this kind of tent in the safari. 
So the first, first day we go and, and get in the Jeep, and one of the things that amazed me was the Jeep had no doors. No windows, no doors, just open. There I am with my camera, and, and, the, and the, the tour guide, he's, he's in the car, the guy that's driving the Jeep, and he says, we're going to see everything today. And he begins talking about the lions. And I think he gets asked this question frequently, because before we could ask the question, he just gave us the answer. I was thinking it. What happens when we see a lion? We have no doors on this vehicle. I'm sure a lion can jump this high and pull any one of, of us off. So he just begins to talk. He says, listen, when we see a lion, it's okay. It's okay because the way a lion sees his visual perception, when he sees all of us collectively in this Jeep, he cannot make out the individual parts. All he sees is one big animal on four wheels with 10 heads and 20 eyes and 20 arms and 20 legs. He sees one big animal and he doesn't does want anything to do with us. But stay in the Jeep. Because the moment you step out of the Jeep, all of a sudden, all it sees is one wand with one head, two eyes, two scrawny arms, two little legs, and you're done. You're toast. The devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking to those who get off the Jeep and isolate themselves because we're better together, and when we're together, we make up the church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Gathering together, gathering together on Sunday morning, on victory nights, joining us when we gather together to pray for our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka and around the world, making every opportunity to gather together. Why? Because it's important. And finally, number three, communion. Communion. And we're going to partake of this in just a moment. Communion. I remember as a young, young man growing up in the church, how there were times where I dreaded this moment that we're going to experience here in just a moment. I love how I love how a meal and meals are a part of our relationship with God. In fact, when you read the Bible, you could you could hardly find a book in the Bible that doesn't include some kind of interaction between be, between us and God and and how a lot of this revolves around food. It revolves around eating. In fact, you know, the Bible talks about when we, when we begin, when we celebrate the, re, the reunification of, of uh, the bride of Christ, the church, with the bridegroom, with Jesus, one of the very first things we're going to do, you know what we're going to do? The Bible calls, calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to sit down to a big meal. I, 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 don't, I feel like God is a foodie. I mean, the first miracle that Jesus did surrounded around food, a party. Prodigal son comes back home. What does the father do? He throws a party, kills the fatted calf. God loves food. 
And here we are getting ready to partake of communion. I remember as a young man growing up in church and how there were times where I dreaded this. And you'll see why in just a moment. In fact, if you turn to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, Paul says it like this. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Those were the verses that just, they, they, they freaked me out. And I remember people would come up, and pastor or whoever, and they would say these verses and, and basically look at, at the congregation and say, you, your life better be right. Don't you do this unworthy. Don't you do this in an unworthy manner. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to die. There's another verse that talks about you're drinking a curse and see yourself. And I remember sitting next to my mom thinking, I don't want to eat this bread or drink this cup. And because you're saying don't do it in an unworthy manner to examine yourself. And I know I haven't been that good. And I don't know what worthy, how to do it in a worthy manner. So I'm, I'm staying away from it. I don't want it. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. And most of us, if we were just to read those scriptures... We would think that what it means, because we're kind of hardwired this way, because God saved us from a system that he's still trying to work out of us. It's, it's a system of, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. It's really a slave mentality where we work and we, 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 we slave over anything that we have. And then we're introduced into this relationship where we're not slaves, but we're actually sons and daughters of God, and it's a completely different relationship. I mean, there's a difference between you being an employee of the company or the son of the CEO, isn't there? It's a complete difference. You put in your hard day's work for a paycheck. That's the system God saved us from. In the moment of salvation, we did nothing to earn right relationship with God. Newsflash, we do nothing to keep right relationship with God. All we do is follow Jesus, and he keeps us, and he still saves us, and his grace is sufficient. And not at one moment has God looked down and said, Wow, Juan, you actually deserve everything that I'm giving you. Not once. And conversely, not once has he looked down and says, you've been so bad, I think I'm going to unsave you now and cast you out and not give you access. No, it doesn't depend on me. It was never about me. It was all Jesus. Well, you said, well, I think I had a part to play. Well, you did. You did. You, you had as much of a part to play as I would if you were to say, hey, pastor, I'd like to give you a million dollars. You know what my part to play would be? That's it. When you said yes to Jesus, all you did was, I'll take the free gift. That's it. You were a recipient, not a worker, not an earner, not a payer, a recipient of the free gift, of the grace, of the salvation, the forgiveness of sins of God. But then we, God takes Sometimes a lot of time working out the world system out of us. 
And it comes to light in moments like this because we read those scriptures and we begin to examine ourselves this way. How good have I been this week? How bad have I been? And if my good outweighs my bad, maybe I'm worthy to sit at this table and not be cursed and not do it in an unworthy manner. But if my bad outweighs my good, I probably should just let this cup pass me by and not participate because I don't want to die. And yet Paul goes on to answer the question, what does it mean for us to examine ourselves? Because if you ever have a question about the Bible, you know where the best place to find your answer is? The Bible. It's the last verse I asked you to turn to, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Paul explains what he meant when he said examine yourself. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. That's the examination when it comes to communion. Not good versus bad. Not how many times you read your Bible this week. Not did you, did you blow it this week. Did you lose control? Did you miss the mark? None of that. Are you in the faith? What's that mean? It means remember the moment that Jesus found you. He offered you the gift of faith, to believe in him, to accept him just as you were. You did nothing to earn it, nothing to pay for it, nothing to receive it. All you did was just, you just received the free gift. He's saying, are you still there? When it comes to this cup, are you still there? Do you still trust him to keep you? Do you still trust him that the only reason you and I have a seat at this table has nothing to do with your performance, but everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done? Come on, that excites me. Every time I think and I participate, I can receive this because of Jesus. Examine yourself. He goes on to say this, test yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? That he's in you. When does that happen? When he stood at the door of your heart and knocked and you opened up that door and you said, come in. And he said, I'll, I'll, I'll dine with you. I'll have a meal with you. That's the test. Are you born again? Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you given, have you given your life completely over to him? Friends, can I tell you that moment you said yes to Jesus? That's not the end game. It's not over. There's more breakthroughs. There's more healings. There's more freedoms. There's more victories for you to experience. Sure, that was the greatest. But there's more to God. There's more to faith. And there's more to life than what you've known. And if you give Jesus a chance, he'll prove it to you. In just a moment, we're going to partake of communion together to celebrate this meal. If you don't remember anything else out of this message, remember this. God is not interested in having a religion with you. He wants a relationship. And in the same way that every now and then, my wife and I have to look at each other and say, hey, let's, let's grab a meal together. Because life has just been too hectic, has been too busy, and we just need to sit down face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and ask each other this question, how are we doing? How are we doing? This is the opportunity that we have with God this morning. God, how are we doing?
Test yourself. Is Christ in you? Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Do you believe that the only reason you and I have access to this is because of Jesus? If you're here and you want to partake of communion with us, but you don't have a cup, you don't have the bread, just slip your hand up. Our ushers will serve you. Our ushers are coming down, so just slip your hand up if you need served and you don't have one. We're going to participate here in just a few seconds. We've got some folks all the way down here, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, ushers. All the way over here. All the way back here. All the way in the back over here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, ushers, for serving so expeditiously. We appreciate it. Thank you. Once you receive it, let's go ahead and that plastic film at the top, just peel that back and let's release the bread. And then take that foil part uh, and then carefully peel that back. I, I had quite some time the first service. This service, it's a lot easier than last for me. So don't feel bad. If you're having a hard time with it, it's not you. Sometimes these, these cups can be a little funny. Um, just go ahead and peel that back and hold on to it for just a moment. <laughs> just look at me for just a second. That first verse that we read today, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him or her and he or she with me. I find it amazing that we serve a God that doesn't, he doesn't make demands like, hey, if this is going to work in your life, you're going to have to push a peanut with your nose across the room. And then maybe I'll save you. Then maybe I'll keep you. It's amazing to me that us, broken sinners that we were, lost, hateful, vengeful against God, that his call to us was, hey, I just want to come and have a meal with you. Have a meal with you. And there's something about us allowing God to step into our world and not demand performance, but say, let's just sit down and have a meal together. Let's break some bread together. And in the process, in the process of that meal, us actually partaking of him, us actually him giving us who he is in that meal so that, so that every bite that we take that nourishes us, that strengthens us. That, why is that so important to me? Is because most of us, if I could describe most of us in this room, it's tired. We're just tired. We're, we're tired. And if I got to... If I got to join a religion or serve a God that it's constant performance, constant being on my toes, constant looking behind me to, to make sure that I'm not messing up because he's just going to zap me. But that's the farthest thing from God. Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who are just tired. Learn from me. 
Pull up a chair. Refresh yourself. Take nourishment. Relax. Take it easy. Let's have a meal together. I want to make you whole. I want to heal you. I want to set you free. You don't have to work for it. Let me work in your life. All you need to do is just be open. Same way you got saved, that's all you do. Just believe that I can heal you, that I can set you free. Just live life like this with open hands. With open hands. Open hands that are not only generous, but open hands that I can put stuff in because he's that good. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. His body was broken so that ours could be made whole. He did the work. Let's partake of it together. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, love, love Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This, the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Let's stand together for just a few more moments and worship the Lord together. Come on. Just lift up your heart. No performance, just relationship. Come on, tell them how much you love them. Just thank them for a few moments. Come on, let's take 60 seconds and worship for just a few moments. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for the meal that heals. Thank you for your love. Here's what we're going to do. I'd like to invite our prayer team to come and get ready here at the altar. And as our prayer team comes, in just a moment, I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you. And at the end of that blessing, if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, any reason at all, we want to pray for you. So what we do here at Victory is we pray for people. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer. You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. You know, we all need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, at the end of this blessing, you just get out of your chair, come on down, and somebody from this team, they'll pray with you. Keep your eyes open as we bless you today. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. 
May you know the depth, the height, the breadth, the width of the love of Jesus in relationship. May you know that you're loved. May you know that you're His. May you know that you're sons and daughters and from that place of confidence and identity, may you go forth sharing with a world that's lost and in need the love and goodness of your Father. May God bless the work of your hands, the fruit of your labor. Bless your marriages, your relationships, your families, your friendships, your jobs, your schools, everywhere that you go. You're rising up, laying down in the city, in the country, going out, coming in, walked as blessed men and women of God because God is for you and not against you. Leave here with victory challenging everyday people to experience every victory in Jesus in his name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. Come on, if you need prayer for any reason, just come. We want to pray for you today.